0: my colleague and good friend, Ken Kravitsky. Shabbat shalom, everyone. Shabbat shalom. While on vacation, Rabbi Wieckowski asked me to give the sermon this week. Woo! This is not where you would normally find me. I have no rabbinic background, formal Jewish education beyond Hebrew school, or real experience giving very Torah. I am much more of a writer than a speaker, so why am I here? other than I have an inability to say no when Rabbi Wieckowski asked. <laughs> well, because I have no rabbinic background or formal Jewish education, one of the things that I think is great about this congregation is that at its heart, it is a lay-led community. I am up here because we all should have the opportunity to take on different roles, some that aren't so comfortable, something which I love about our Daily minion and Havaroth services for anyone interested. Feel free to talk to me afterwards. And I'll put you in touch with the right people who are in the room. I'm all. Thank you. I'm not used to using a microphone. I'm also up here because of something that Richard Buses said when he was our Maltzman honoree. He started reading Torah because he wanted to be a role model for his children. One of my daughters is in the room behind the curtain. And I want both of them to know that they too can be up here. So I started researching this Torah portion, and as Chazan said, it is a biggie. Fun fact, there are over 70 of the Torah's 613 mitzvot in this Torah portion. I open up the Torah portion, the Parsha to read it, and what do we have as the opening line? When you take the field against your enemies, and the Lord your God delivers them into your power, and you take some of them captive, and you see among them captives a beautiful woman, and you desire her and would take her to wife, you shall bring her into your house and she shall trim her hair, pair her nails, and discard her captive's garb. One sentence. She shall spend a month's time in your house lamenting her father and mother. After that, you may come to her and possess her, and she shall be your wife. Yay. (laughs) Now, sentence structure aside, I have to thank Rabbi Tige and his commentary for putting some positive spin on this, and adding context that, based off of the time, And actually allowing women to mourn their dead was a sign of respect and most likely an improvement on the current situation but still pass let's keep going stoning of disobedient children although I do want to take the opportunity to thank my parents for not bringing my brother or I to the town elders and we probably deserved it at times and the case is still out for my daughters (laughs) pass Equalizing inheritance laws to avoid preference based off of which of your wives you loved more. Pass. (laughs) If you see a lost ox, sheep, or donkey, you must return it. Yes. (laughs) One of the most powerful lines in the Torah is written here. You must not remain indifferent. Now this I could work with. This week's Torah portion is telling us that the little details matter and that we need to pay attention. To put it a different way, we must sweat the small stuff. In his essay, No Time for Neutrality, Rabbi Ibrahim Joshua Heschel writes, it is the small in which the great becomes real. It is the weekday in which the Sabbath is reflected. The little details is where we add meaning to add holiness. This is true for everyday actions. Rabbi Wikowski, during his interview process, taught our students that there's a Jewish order in the way you tie your shoes. I have no recollection as to what it is, but my other daughter does. There are scientific studies that state that how you dress impacts your mood. So it is natural to think about how our dressing impacts our connection with God. I would be remiss if I didn't point out, as Aaron Beezer mentioned to me, one of the ultimate executive director sentences in the Torah is here. When you build a new house, you shall make a parapet for your roof so that you do not bring blood guilt on your house if anyone shall fall from it. While this speaks to me in terms of my world of liability, it also speaks to the Torah's goal of protecting people. Throughout the Parsha, we see protections of people that might have information disadvantages, not being aware that the roof has an edge, flat earthers, uh, or a systematic disadvantage, such as a lack of funds. And so the Torah tells us the importance of leaving food available for those that need. You must not remain indifferent. Protect stranger rights. Make sure to feed the hungry. Deal honesty in business. It is all in this portion. The basis for the Hebrew Free Loan Society is in this portion. You shall not deduct interest from loans to your countrymen, whether in money or food or anything else that can be deducted as interest. Not Not remaining indifferent means remembering what it was like to be a stranger, a slave, someone that is not seen as an equal. The Torah states, You shall not abuse a needy and destitute laborer, whether a fellow countryman or a stranger in one of the communities of your land. You must pay him his wages on the same day before the sun sets, for he is needy and urgently depends on it. I am very proud that at this synagogue, we have taken this language to heart. And over the past 10 years, under the leadership of Rabbi Cooper and our board of directors, we have steadily increased the pay of our staff Right now, in Washington, D.C., a number of organizations, including a number of Jewish organizations like the Federation of Jewish Men's Club, Larry Nathanson, I believe Lester Shapiro might be there right now, are commemorating the 60th anniversary of the March on Washington. On that day, Rabbi Johann Prince spoke right before Martin Luther King Jr. He stated, when I was the rabbi of the Jewish community in Berlin under the Hitler regime, I learned many things. The most important thing that I learned under those tragic circumstances was that bigotry and hatred are not the most urgent problem. The most urgent, the most disgraceful, the most shameful, and the most tragic problem is silence. A great people which had created a great civilization had become a nation of silent onlookers. There remained silence in the face of hate, in the face of brutality, and the face of mass murder. This week's Torah portion tells us we cannot be silent. We cannot be indifferent. Sometimes this might be about an in, a big action, sometimes a small one. Our synagogue often puts out emails asking for volunteers for chesed work. Repeatedly, we have enough people volunteer to support our efforts. Just. Back to the Torah verse. If you see a lost ox, sheep, or donkey, you must return it. Rashi's commentary says it a different way. Do not hide your eyes as if you did not see them. You must not see them and pretend that you didn't. Last week, Rabbi Wikowski talked about Elul and it being a time of introspection. So I ask of you now, what have you been indifferent to? What have you been turning your eyes from? What problem have you been putting off thinking about whether close to or far from home? Between the job, parenting, news media cycle, I have to admit that I have definitely been numb in recent months. I have not been paying attention. I don't know enough about what is currently happening in Ukraine outside of the plane crash. I don't know enough about how to help with what is happening in Death Valley or Maui. As we go through the Elul and prepare for the holidays, I invite each of you to join me in feeling just a little bit more, paying attention just a little bit more, and hopefully acting just a little bit more. Shabbat shalom.